0: In 2020, we made a commitment as an organization to respond constructively to the Black Lives Matter movement, aiming to become more diverse, more inclusive, and support more Black-owned businesses. 100 Stories is a new video and podcast series that's intended to provide a platform for people of color to share their experiences of prejudice and journeys to success.
1: So, welcome to uh, 100 Stories. My name's Joseph Bradfield, uh, and today I'm joined by Stephanie Pryor, who is the Marketing and Business Development Manager for Healy's LLP. Uh, welcome, Stephanie.
2: Thank you, Joseph. Thank you very much.
1: Um, so, uh, thanks, thanks very much for, for uh, coming on 100 Stories. Um, I thought we'd start by... Uh, just talking a little bit about your, your background and your experiences growing up. Um, so, yeah, how, how you got to where you are today, really. Um,
2: sure. Um, so, originally, I grew up in Littlehampton. Um, I left there when I was 13 years old, came to Brighton when I was 14, went to Hope Park School. Um, at school, um, well, actually, prior to moving to Brighton, I enjoyed education. I was doing really well in school, but I think moving at the age of 14 um, and the transition, uh, some of the classes were different when I went to Hove Park. For example, I was studying French in Littlehampton, but when I came to uh, Hove, they were studying German. So it put me a year behind in terms of my languages. And I suppose a lot of the teachers had already in many ways decided who their favorite students were and had built a relationship with those students. So I kind of struggled with education. I came out of school with only two GCSEs above C grade. Um, And yeah, at the time, um, like many teenagers, um, I was very confused, didn't know. I knew that I should be doing better for myself, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. Um, So the following year, I re-got my GCSEs, um, redid my A-levels, but somehow managed to fail those again. Um, and that time I remember being really upset because unlike my GCSEs, i put in 125% to, to pass. And on one particular one, I just didn't understand how I failed. So the drama um, exam, for example, was a three-hour exam where you could take notes into it. And I shared my my pre-prepared notes with my drama teacher and um, she gave me a high grade for it. And all of my coursework was A and B, C grade. So I was really confident that I'd get at least a C in drama. Um, And I enjoyed that class as well. And um, when I opened up my A-level results, I had a U. And um, actually, no, sorry. I had a U in the exam, but I had a D overall. And um, I remember I just burst into tears and I went up to the drama teacher and I said, How can this happen? Like, we have to contest this. Like, this is not correct. I know that I put in the work. And she said to me, I don't think there's any point you contesting it. And she got the head of the year over and she basically escorted me off of the Hope Park grounds and said, I think it's time for you to consider an, a different alternative to education. And I remember leaving the school and I was just so dissatisfied with that so I decided to do an access course um, at the Brighton Met College for policy politics and globalization at the time and um, that gave me free A's to then go to university so that's how I managed to eventually get to university um, even that was difficult because I remember um, in our access class we were told that if we got all A's, we would almost be guaranteed um, a space at Sussex University, with it being a a local university and then having the connections there. And um, at the time, out of 20 students, I was the only person who put in an application for Sussex University and didn't get through. However, I did get a place at Goldsmiths University in London, which ended up being a better university for the course that I was, I was studying. So it, it all worked out really well. Um, and then from university, um, I got some work experience at the BBC in investigative journalism. At the time uh, I was studying anthropology and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to take a more legal route or a media route, but I knew that my interest was representation really um so yeah did some work with the BBC um voluntary for a year got to interview stage they swapped the producers at the time so the gentleman that was interviewing me didn't know me and I didn't get the job based on the fact that I had no media proper media experience which was really crushing after constantly going back up to London back and forth as a student on you know living off part-time hours and my student funds to to put in that sacrifice and not get something out of it was difficult. Um, Then I went on to um, work in legal services. I went for an admin job initially um, but my boss uh, saw that I was quite a creative individual and knew that I probably wouldn't have stayed in the job so he actually created a role for me and that's how I ended up working in sales and marketing.
1: Wow, that's <laughs> a, a long and winding route uh, that you've taken there. Um, I, I'm interested now, actually, how, how you um, uh, how you felt the experience of uh, the world of media and the the legal world uh, differ in that respect. Do you feel like there's uh, there are sort of different forms of uh, of bias and, uh, and things going on in those worlds?
2: It's a difficult one to answer. I mean, when I look back at my experience in the media at the BBC, I remember at the time, so I was studying at, at, in London at Goldsmiths University and it was a very multicultural university and area. Um, and because the BBC was situated in London I expected it to be a diverse environment, and at the time, I remember I was I stayed at my my cousin's house um, in order to 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 go and and do the the voluntary work with the BBC as it was uh, nine to five Monday to Friday, and um, I remember getting on the tube and 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 just acknowledging how diverse the environment was in comparison to what I was used to in Brighton and I loved it I, I really enjoyed that um and then when I got to the BBC I noticed um that there were very few black people working at the BBC um I was the only um, black girl that was doing work experience and even to get to that position I actually put in six applications um to even get to that position so um yeah, it wasn't easy to, to even get through the door. Um, so yeah, and I remember when I was working at the BBC, um, women in particular, women of colour, were very welcoming to me um, and wanted to make sure that I was okay and that I was making them and I was getting the most out of the experience. Um, it was obvious that there was four of us that were doing voluntary work at the time, and I did notice that a couple of them got more opportunities than I did. And I remember really trying hard to get the attention of the directors and the producers. Um, Something that I actually did was I I wrote a proposal and I presented it to the producer of um, Rogue Traders. And she said to me, no one's ever done that before that's on work experience, like that's really impressive. Um, And that actually got me to interview Stage But regardless of how hard I tried and the networking that I did, I just couldn't seem to get through that barrier. Whereas I remember seeing a girl a year after doing my initial work experience who got placed on the same day as me, working at the BBC a year later. And I remember thinking, why? what was it that she did? And I couldn't remember anything significant that she did that I didn't. And I'm very competitive and I always you know try and make the most out of each situation so that was difficult and I do remember thinking you know is it me is it that I don't fit in and I suppose um, uh, you know throughout my whole career in life you know there's been many a times where I've I'm, I'm searching for that environment where I'm working with a team of people that really acknowledge my skills and that we can work together because I know Really, that's what makes a successful team and business, really. Um, You know, whenever you listen to leaders like Oprah Winfrey and other successful people, it's having that successful team and diverse team and you really appreciate everybody's input that really helps drive that success. Um, So, yeah, I remember sort of thinking, I obviously don't fit in here. I've done everything and I'm still not good enough. With regards to the legal industry... um, I I mean, I I am aware through statistics that obviously um, in higher positions, there's less diversity when we look at board members, but nevertheless, in the legal industry in itself, there's definitely a rise of um, the AME people coming into the industry, women as well, progressing in the legal industry. Um, And I believe there's about 50% of women working in the legal industry, but when we look at the positions of those women is where we can obviously see that there's a differentiation um, and that there possibly are barriers. But um, I've been quite fortunate. So when I initially started working in legal services, I went for a job in administration. And um, like I say, my uh, the employer, noticed straight away that there were certain skills that he thought that he could take advantage of and use within his business in a way that he hadn't considered previously so he created that role for me Um, and i think as a boss you know he was very forward thinking and he wanted the best Um, so i haven't necessarily come well in that particular situation i didn't come across any issues of unconscious bias i think that was a really good working environment in many ways, that's how many working environments should be. If you're good at something as an individual, regardless of what you look like or what your background is, that person sees that and and they they put you to use and they take advantage of your skills and empower you. Um, Now I work in a law firm. Um, I work for an international law firm. So in certain aspects, we are quite a diverse team Um, But nevertheless, in terms of like unconscious bias, I remember when I went for the interview, um, at the time I was working in another role and I had cornrows in my hair. And um, I remember saying to a colleague, I've got an interview next week for an international law firm based in Brighton. I don't know if I should keep my hair like this. I don't want it to... Uh, let me down or you know for me to lose the opportunity because of how I look although I have no issues with cornrows I I love wearing my hair in braids and it's part of my identity I am also aware that there are stereotypes that are um, that come with certain hairstyles I mean women in generally in general I think we're aware that Appearance, it, you know, we are judged on appearance. Appearance does mean something. I think there's even evidence to suggest that women who wear makeup are more likely to earn more than those that don't. And I, and I feel that that might even be more so apparent when it comes to women of color. So I, I do think about that and I have thought about that when I'm going for interviews. Um, but my colleague actually turned around and said to me, no, go as yourself. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with your hair, go as you. And that's exactly what I did. I went with my cornrows, a a mustard yellow dress and leopard skin heels. And I I had a fantastic interview um, and I ended up getting the job. So, yes, I am aware of unconscious bias, um, but I would also say that sometimes it's in our heads as well. And it's important for us not to necessarily allow that to lead our decisions you know it's really important to go to an interview or or go to any situation as you are and I feel if I reflect back on my successes I've always done best when I just come as myself.
1: That's a really really good kind of positive sign about your work environment as well right and they they, you know they're interested in you for you rather than uh, something that you've created for them.
2: Definitely and I mean, it could also come into what I do in my job. So, my work is business development and marketing. And, you know, I'm not the main face, for example, of many businesses. I'm driving other uh, individuals, uh, you know, um, to promote their success and and their experience and knowledge. Um, So, I'm very much in the background. And I think um, if you want the best marketing manager or business development manager, Um, I think you have to look much further than the person that's in front of you and and how they look. I think you're thinking about what are those person's skills? You know, how adaptive are they? What's their experience of bringing in business? What are they like networking? Um, I think these are more important things. Um, You know, we need to be interviewing people as individuals. And I think when we do, you know more chances than not we might find the best candidate which is what it's all about really isn't it
1: absolutely um, and and talking of uh talking of networking um you told a story uh recently at an event we were both at that i thought was very very revealing and and offered you know a perspective that that i wouldn't necessarily have, have thought about as a, as a white man um so you know, would you mind sharing that again yeah
2: well so um When I first started working in my role, I was invited to a a prestigious event at the Grand Hotel, uh, the Lord Taverners event, which happens every December or would have done prior to COVID-19. And um, the Lord Taverners is a a, a male orientated event. It has been, but nevertheless, in recent years, uh, women women in business are encouraged to attend. And I was kindly invited by a colleague Um, and during, the events when I was sitting down and I was networking at the bar with other individuals, a gentleman came up to me um, who owned a very large accountancy firm. And he sat down next to me and he said, something along the lines of what's being black and a woman in business, uh, sorry, how's being black and a woman of business working out for you? And I was in a circle of about eight people and I saw a couple of people to my right just turn and look at me to see what my reaction would be, probably. And then they sort of put their heads back down because I don't think they really wanted to comment on the situation. And I said, um, "It's working out fine, thank you very much." And then he just went in to say, "You know, I I am aware that um, you know black people have to work twice as hard to get to certain positions within their career." So to see you here, I would, I would imagine that you've, you've worked hard and it's a reflection of the fact that you're very good at what you do. And he eventually actually went on to offer me a job and give me his business card. Now, the experience is a bit of a weird one. I know that he didn't mean anything by it. I don't think he meant to upset me anyway or call me out. Um, but nevertheless, I probably did have a bit of sweat it sort of tell up on my upper lip where I was just a bit it was quite awkward I suppose and it really shone the light on me as an individual um and probably made me more aware of the fact that I was the only black woman in the room um I go to loads of events and you know I probably am the only person sometimes I am the only person of color in the room but he really made me focus on that um but nevertheless I also know that obviously he meant it in a, in a kind way in the sense that he assumed that I have worked very hard, and I'm obviously very good at what I do. And he could see that there would be qualities in that for his business, and he obviously wanted to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Um, it was something we we discussed quite a bit at the the event we were both at, um, and I think there's a uh, there's an assumption on the part of uh, of you know a, a lot of uh white, white men particularly that there's a there's a kind of responsibility uh of any kind of marginalized community to to uh to kind of talk through their experience at every <laughs> at every opportunity <laughs> um yeah and uh it's, it's certainly uh, it's something that's uh, yeah I've, I've kind of reflected on and uh, and i hope yeah, something that a lot of other people will, will reflect on as well. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little about this year, twenty twenty, and uh, and what's been happening with the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, following the, the the murder of George Floyd earlier this year. Um, just, um, I'm interested to know what your what your feelings about that movement have been, and and your kind of response to it? Do you think it's been, a, you know, a broadly positive uh, move, or is there lots more still to do? What's what's your thoughts?
2: I feel that it's it's quite an uncomfortable movement for everyone, if I'm honest. Um, at the beginning, well, in June, um, when. George Floyd's death was um, publicized all over the media and on social media. I think that was quite difficult for a lot of people to watch, firstly. I couldn't personally watch the whole video. Um, So yeah, and it's shone a lot of light on the inequalities globally. Um, It's a difficult one to answer because I think, I mean, the situation in the in the UK is very diff- different to what's taking place in the United States. But nevertheless, I have seen a rise in, I would say, far right ideologies in recent years, probably since the Brexit campaign initiated, and some of the propaganda that was around that. Um, you know, and in society, you know, it, it, in recent years, you know, we've gone through a lot in terms of you know, um, recessions, financial difficulties as a country. And I think there are a lot of people that are angry. And I don't think the media's uh, propaganda around racism, sometimes terrorism, or even politics helps. I think it actually creates a larger divide. Um, but nevertheless, racism is something that we do obviously need to discuss and address um and it's obviously made people think in a variety of ways you know i can see a lot more businesses thinking about how they could be more diverse and inclusive um we've got brighton and Hove council for example who reviewed um, their stance on racism internally and externally and upon reflection realized that they were an all-white council And I suppose there are a lot of other institutions that are acknowledging that they're they're not diverse and that there's probably more that they could do to enhance equality and diversity within within their working places. So in that respect, I think it's positive, but I do think that we've got a long way to go. Um, I think it will take many years. I'm not even sure if, you know, creating an anti-racist society is. Even achievable. I think, in many ways, it's human nature to sort of um, differentiate. Sometimes, maybe, unfortunately, uh, I think the younger generation are better uh, in the sense that you know they're encouraged from a young age to be more politically correct and to view people as individuals. Whereas, I think many of us uh, may be victims of you know our educ educational circumstances when growing up. Uh, Um, you know, from gender to to class and many other issues, we put people in boxes. Um, But I do hope that the Black Lives Matter movement continues to enhance more equality within our society. Um, And yeah, there's gonna be more uncomfortable situations um, and conversations to be had, Um, but change nevertheless is good, Um, you know, nothing um, good comes easy, does it? So um, I look forward to doing whatever I can um, as an individual within our society to continue to push towards those changes. Um, But yeah, um, with regards to Black Lives Matter as well, I hope, I think one of the issues for it is that, you have the Black Lives Matter political movement and then you have the Black Lives Matter movement promoting uh, equality for black lives and saying black lives matter. I think there's a bit of confusion there and I would hope that maybe in the future, um, the as a community, maybe we could work to create a stronger campaign that doesn't allow the right wing In or right wing campaigners or individuals to to target the Black Lives Matter in the way that they have. So, yeah, I think there's definitely more that could be done to promote Black Lives Matter, but maybe in a way that doesn't allow uh, far right individuals to target it as a political issue.
1: Very, very good points. Yeah, I think I I completely agree. You know, it's. it's a, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but that's a, that's probably a good sign because it's uncomfortable. It's, it's a conversation that we need to have. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. Um, I, I wanted to end on a uh, on a an uplifting note. Um, so I was going to ask uh, about. Can you tell me about a time in your life that you felt particularly uh, supported or or recognised? Uh, could be in for in your career
2: yeah. um going back to my example earlier i would say when i went for an admin job and um i went into the interview it was a fantastic interview with my potential boss um, i remember leaving the interview thinking yeah that went really well um, and then i got a call from the recruiter saying um just spoken with the employer Um, He didn't think you were right for the admin role. However, he saw that you're obviously very creative um, and uh, uh, tenacious. yeah, and um, he would like to offer you a a different role um, and create a role for you in sales and marketing. Um, That was a fantastic opportunity. Um, And, you know, for somebody to to work with someone who's forward-thinking and... um, really explores, you know, my qualities as an individual and gave me a go, gave me a chance. I was really grateful for that. Um, And I think we need more employers like that who, you know, are very open-minded, forward-thinking and think, how could this person, I like what this person's bringing, how can they potentially support me and my business? Um, And a similar thing actually happened when I went for the council role, um, with Brighton and Hove City Council as a standing invitee. So at the beginning of September, um, off the back of their anti-racist pledge, um, they uh, created a role um, for a standing invitee to sit on their policy and resources committee, which is their highest committee. And um, I applied for the role, went for an interview, I was the first to be interviewed um, by six individuals, three of them politicians, it was very scary. And um, I a couple of days later, I I got a call um, and and Abraham, uh, a gentleman from the Council said, "Um, unfortunately, you haven't got the role for the Policy and Resources Committee. But just to let you know, we actually thought that you were one of the strongest people that we interviewed and you were so good that we didn't think that it would be fair to let you go. So we would actually like to offer you um, a role as a standing invitee on the Tourism Equalities, Communities and Culture Committee. Um, So I'm now sitting on that committee. Um, Both of those uh, opportunities were fantastic Um, and they don't always happen. Uh, If I'm honest, I've probably failed more times than I've achieved, um, like many people. Um, And, you know, in any situation we're judged by other people um, and I was very lucky I suppose and I'm very grateful that on both of those particular situations although I didn't I wasn't necessarily the right person for the roles that I was going for and um, the fact that I put in 120 um, percent and you know I beforehand I always think about how can I support this particular initiative and how can I help and and the fact that they acknowledged that and have uh, brought me onto their team, I'm extremely grateful for.
1: Mm. Oh, you, you clearly interview, <laughs> interview well, um, and <laughs> uh, and we've we've seen that today. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you very much for, for coming on uh, the 100 Stories uh, initiative and uh, and sharing your uh, your points of view and your stories with us. Thank uh, you, Joseph.
2: It's great to see what Sussex Innovations are doing, you know, to to communicate various stories within our community and and supporting various individuals. I think it's fantastic. Um, So yeah, great initiative and happy to be involved. Thank you.
0: 100 Stories was inspired by the hundreds of brave people of color who have felt the Black Lives Matter movement has given them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences. This series coincides with the increasing demand and interest from allies who want to better understand the forms of prejudice and microaggressions that take place every day. We want our 100 stories to be an accessible platform for black people in and around our community to share their stories either anonymously or openly. We do this in a bid to keep the conversation alive and continue to help people understand what it's like when you don't have a seat at the table. If you're interested in sharing one of your stories, please get in touch via media at sync.co.uk. Thanks for listening.